Yo, yo, it's Diggsy's baby, the podcast, episode one. We got a lot to talk about, NFL preseason, Major League Baseball, but first... All right, the NBA Summer League is going on right now in Las Vegas, and the Knicks have looked fantastic so far. The Knicks are 3-2. and two. They got one more game coming up, a consolation game, but I want to talk about the Knicks' second-year players, and then we'll get to the rookies. First and foremost... OB Toppin. Ain't no stopping OB Toppin. Friday night against Cade Cunningham and the Pistons. He lit it up, man. He OB Toppin played great. Um, 31 points. He was on the floor for 37 minutes, 13 field goals on 20 attempts, 65% field goal percentage, 2 of 5 from 3, 40%, 9 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks. He didn't turn the ball over once, and he... he playing amazing in the summer league this year. Uh, He's averaging 23 points per game, eight rebounds per game. But the thing that really stands out to me is the the time he's clocking on the floor. He's played 36 minutes per game. IQ Emmanuel quickly has played 34 minutes per game, averaging 21 points per game, eight assists per game. Now that is exactly the way Tom Thibodeau plays basketball. He finds eight to nine guys. He plays them a lot of minutes. We saw that this year with Julius Randle, RJ Barrett. They logged some of the, the, the most minutes of any players in the NBA, minutes per game. And it looks like he told his staff down at the Summer League to, to let these guys play. And these guys are playing, especially the two rookies, Quentin Grimes and Deuce McBride. The other night, Quentin Grimes, 28 points, six rebounds, four assists, one steal, six for 14 from three. Deuce McBride, 23 points, five assists, four rebounds, five from eight from three. And the other night, Deuce McBride went six for six from the three-point line. So the Knicks know what they want to do this year with basketball. They made some great moves. Getting Kemba Walker for what they're paying him was amazing. Um, They also brought in Evan Fournier. Everybody didn't like that. They said it wasn't sexy enough, but you know what? Evan Fournier can play. Okay. We saw what he did with France. We saw he's coming into his own with Orlando. Fournier can play. We broke back D Rose, Nerlens Noel, Alec Burks. All those deals are very team friendly. So just look at what they did. They brought in Evan Fournier. They brought in Kemba Walker. They brought back Noel, who, when Mitchell Robinson was down, played amazing defense, protected the rim. Alec Burks, sometimes he was our best scorer off the bench. You got D. Rose coming off the bench now. Kemba Walker starting. And that's the great thing about this is you got Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose, two guys that can be starting point guards on a lot of teams in the NBA. Now, they're, they're both past their prime, most likely. But the thing is, you don't need them to be playing 35, 36 minutes a game. You get 25 minutes out of each of them per game, and that's fantastic. You also have Emmanuel Quickly, who's showing right now down in Vegas that he's going to be a very good point guard in the league, and he can also play the two. Like I said, you got McBride, Grimes, they're nice young guards as well. And you brought back 
Taj Gibson, who is a guy that likes to get down and dirty in the paint. So looking at the Knicks this year, okay, their starting lineup, Kemba Walker, RJ Barrett, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. Looking back from last year, starting point guard was Alfred Payton. Already that's an upgrade. RJ was there. Small forward, you had Bullock. Now we have Fournier. Fournier is a lot better than Bullock. Fournier can get the three. He shoots the three very well. And at times last year, that was the Knicks problem. You know, they, they got cold. Fournier can stay hot. He could shoot the three. You have Randall at power forward. Mitchell, when he was healthy, he was the center, starting center. He'll be the starting center. That's your starting five. Kemba, RJ, Fournier, Randall, Mitchell Robinson. Now look at the second squad you got running out there. You got Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, Alec Burks, Obi Toppin, and Nerlens Noel. Now, we see what Toppin's doing, man. Last year, Toppin wasn't impressive, okay? He had 4.1 points, 2.2 rebounds. He did shoot 50% from the field. He only played 11 minutes per game. He struggled, but you know what? During the playoffs, Toppin showed up. He played good minutes in the playoffs. He played well in the playoffs. He hit some good shots, and he's shooting the three ball a lot better, but the one thing that I'm excited about that I'm seeing from Toppin in the summer league is he's being aggressive. He's getting down low. He's throwing his body around and he's getting those dunks. We want to see Toppin be a high flyer dunker. He's getting the dunks. He can make the, make the plays down low. And honestly, Toppin backing up Julius Randle, that's a great change of pace, man. This second unit is great. And that, we're not even talking about Miles McBride and Quentin Grimes who play ex, who've been playing excellent. And McBride's killing Killing it with the three-point shot. Grimes is is great out there on the wing. And also you have the young kid Jericho Sims who's playing well in the summer league. So honestly, I'm very, very happy with the way the Knicks look in the summer league. Last year it was disappointing for them to lose in the first round against the Hawks. I was there game one at the Garden. The Garden was rocking. I, I still tell people to this day. Other than the 2016 Ryder Cup at Hazeltine when the United States beat Europe. Game one this year, New York Knicks versus the Atlanta Hawks was the most exciting sporting event I ever been to in my life. And I've been to countless Yankee playoff games, you know, young, when I was younger, back in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, I was there when A-Rod hit that home run in extra innings against Joe Nathan, which had the stadium rocking. But last year, game one, Atlanta Hawks versus the New York Knicks was other than the Ryder Cup, was this the, the most exciting sporting event I've ever been to. So it's going to be tough for the Knicks. Okay, looking at the NBA, there's two teams right now that are primed to meet in the finals. You got the Lakers with their addition of Russell Westbrook. You got the big three, Russ, AD, LeBron. You got the big three in Brooklyn, KD, Kyrie, Jimmy Harden, not to mention Blake Griffin's playing well. So it's going to be hard to get past those teams. And we're not even talking about the reigning champs, the Bucks, with the way Giannis played, Drew Holiday played. So it's going to be very tough for the Knicks to, to get out of the East. But you know what? The team is young. You're building an identity. You're building a cohesive unit. Tom Thibodeau is one of the best defensive coaches in the league. He showed that last year. He won coach of the year. 
He got the team playing his style of ball. When they drafted, everybody was wondering, why are they, why are they trading back? Why are they trading back? Because that's the new way of the Knicks doing business. The old way was throwing money, pay extra, you know, pay overprice for these free agents, Yakim Noah, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. We, we saw them do that. The new regime with Leon Rose, they're being smart, methodical, and they have a plan. They knew they wanted Grimes. They knew they wanted McBride. So they knew that they could trade. They had three first round picks. They knew they could trade some of those first round picks, move back in the draft and get additional picks next year. So they keep stockpiling these picks and we have assets. We have a war chest. So when someone like Damian Lillard becomes available, which he will. I'm telling you right now, within the next 365 days, Damian Lillard will become available because Portland has done nothing this offseason to appease Lillard. And Lillard's going to start out with the Blazers and they're going to falter and he's going to want to trade. And come the trade deadline, the Knicks are the prime team to get Damian Lillard. Now, it will be upsetting because we have to give away some of these pieces. Quickly is going to be gone. RJ might be gone. Mitch might be gone. But hey, you have to pay a price to win a championship in the NBA. And in order to win a championship in the NBA, all these pieces we have are great. The young guys, McBride, Grimes, IQ, Toppin, they're great. But in order to win a championship in the NBA, you need a Batman, you need a Robin. And we saw last year in the playoffs that Randall was a Robin, RJ Barrett was a Robin. We don't have Batman. Gotham City needs their Batman. Now, Julius Randle signed on. He, he, he took less money. He left a lot of money on the table to come back. But let's be real. We saw it last year in the playoffs. Julius Randle is a better number two. Maybe three, but I'll give him number two option on an elite team. RJ Barrett. As of right now, he's a good number two option on an elite team. Kemba Walker isn't the Kemba Walker from 2017, 2018. We need a number one. We need that dude. We need that guy. And I think, not I think, I know Damian Lillard could be that guy for us. So we're stacking up picks. We're developing on young players. We're building a war chest. So when someone like Damian Lillard becomes available, we'll be able to go out and grab him. And there's another guy out there that I think the Knicks will grab once he gets disgruntled, and that's Carl Anthony Towns. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'd rather have Lillard because we have Mitch. We have Noel. Hopefully, Jericho Sims You know, plays good. He's very young. We don't know what we're going to get out of him, but... We're building the war chest for Damian Lillard. Now, it's not the old way of the Knicks doing things. Let's tank. Let's get high draft picks. They're building a, a, a very good team. They're building a competent team that will compete. And I truly believe that the Knicks will make the playoffs this year. Again, do I think they'll be the fourth seed? I don't know. I really don't know because you got the Nets. You got the Bucks. We saw what the Hawks did making it to the Eastern Conference Final. 76ers, who knows what's going to happen with Ben Simmons, but the 76ers will be there. And let's not forget what Miami did. 
They brought in Kyle Lowry. They now have their own big three. Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. You got great pieces around them and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. So Miami's going to be a lot better this year. We were ahead of Miami in the standings. You know, the only teams that were ahead of us were the Nets, the 76ers, and the Bucks. You know the Heat are going to be ahead of us this year. It's I hate to say it, but with their big three, they're going to be ahead of us. The Wizards got better. They signed Spencer Dinwiddie. They got KCP, Kuzma, and let's not forget about what the Bulls did. The Bulls brought in Lonzo Ball. They bought in DeMar DeRozan. Last year at the deadline, they bought in Nikola Vucevic. They got Zach Levine, who's an all-star. Laurie Marketing, who, who says he wants to get out, but if he doesn't get out. Patrick Williams, who is playing very well right now in the Summer League. So the Bulls will be better as well. So looking at the Eastern Conference, 76ers, Bucks, Nets, Heat. Those are four teams that you know are going to be right there. The Hawks. That's five. You got the Wizards, six. The Bulls, seven. The Hornets are going to be better. The Pacers should be better. Who knows what's going on with the Celtics? They brought in Dennis Schroeder, Tatum, Tatum, Brown. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's going to be very, very competitive in the Eastern Conference this year. But at the end of the day, I love what the Knicks are doing. The Knicks are going to, you do not, I'm telling you right now, these teams that on paper are better than the Knicks right now, you're not going to want to play the Knicks in the playoffs. You're not going to want to play the Knicks at all next year. You have to, but you're not going to want to play them because they're going to play good. And I'm telling you right now, Kemba Walker is going to ball out this year. He's not going to have a huge, he's not going to have to carry a huge load. You got Derek Rose, you got Emmanuel quickly backing him up. Kemba can go out, give his all for 24, 26 minutes. He's going back to the garden where he tore it up. Cardiac Kemba at the garden with UConn. We saw what he did in the Big East tournament. Kemba is from the Bronx. He's going to be happy to be home back in New York. Kemba is going to have a better year. Obi's going to have a better year. IQ's going to take his next step. The rookies are going to play. We got more role players. Julius, great year last year. Most improved player. And you know RJ is going to take the next step. Hopefully Mitch stays healthy. If not, we still have Nerlens Noel, Taj Gibson, and... I'm very, as you can hear from my voice and the rant I just went on, I'm very excited about the Knicks upcoming season and they played great in the summer league. It's been very exciting to watch and summer league is coming to an end, but October can't come soon enough. NFL preseason week one is in the books and while it's only the preseason, these games don't mean anything. Especially now that these coaches and GMs are really holding their starters out. And also, you have to remember that there's only three preseason games versus the normal four. So I guess if, if it was, you know, according to me, I guess we'll see the starters play a full half in game three, the last preseason game, which they normally do in a regular season. They play a half in game three. Three, but the big story of the week was this year's class of rookie quarterbacks. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac 
Jones. And using the eye test, the best one of the week to me was easily Justin Fields. You know, Bears fans everywhere are smiling right now, ear to ear, watching this guy play. Fields went 14 for 20 for 142 yards. He had a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown. Now, the passing touchdown, Jesse James was wide open by about 10 yards. Fields did have a nice play action bootleg before he hit James for the touchdown. So we could say it was the play action or we could say it was a blown coverage. Not for me to decide. Again, it's the preseason, but on the stat line, it counts as a passing touchdown. And for Bears fans, I'm sure they're happy that touchdown happened. Now, the more impressive touchdown was the Russian one he made. Uh, he's very quick out there. Fields is very quick. I believe he ran a 4-4-40. Um, and after the game, he said that the game speed felt slow compared to what the Bears defense looked like in pra- practice. So, I don't know, was that a big diss on the Dolphins or is Fields just that good? Now, Fields did most of his damage against the Dolphins' second and third team, but who knows? The Bears play opening week on Sunday Night Football against the Rams. A very stout defense. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you know the crew they got over there in L.A., and Everyone wants to see Fields start, but Nagy is still saying that Dalton will be the starter. And Nagy said after the game that the only way we can evaluate is by seeing him play. He's got to get valuable reps. Now, Justin Fields was very poised in the pocket. He showed skills to make a play when the pocket broke down or when his receivers were covered, making a play with his legs. And like I said before, granted, he didn't do great against the Finns' first team, the Dolphin starters. He started lighting it up against the second and third team. But talent-wise, Fields is way better than Dalton. And if you're a Bears fan, you really got to be thinking, who do you want starting week one? A 22-year-old first-round pick that will energize the fan base, a fan base that has been looking for a star quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and who knows how long, or a 33-year-old who you know what you're already getting. We know what Dalton can do. Now, Dalton's okay. He took the Bengals to the playoffs a bunch of times, but he's 33 years old. He's not going to be as exciting as Fields. And let's be honest, you're not hoping Dalton's the future. You drafted Fields in the first round because Justin Fields is the future. Now, I could understand why you want to sit Fields week one. We've seen it over and over again. The perfect example is Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs. He, he sat the whole first year. He comes out the second year, lights it up. Now, I can understand why you want to sit Fields, especially week one. You don't want to throw him to the Wolves, a.k.a. the Rams defense on the road have Aaron Donald hunting him down or Jalen Ramsey jumping on one of his routes, but you can't hide him against Superior's defense forever. You know, if he continues this good play this preseason, I'm starting fields week one. That's my personal opinion. Now, I don't know what Nagy's going to do. I don't know what the GM's going to do, but if it was up to me, I'm starting Fields week one, as long as he doesn't look like a Stunad, you know, the next two games. Now, the Rams are favored by seven in that game as of now, and it'll be interesting to see how the line will change if Fields is announced a starter, but personally, I think it won't move more than one point, point and a half, but 
sitting here after the first week of the preseason, Justin Fields looks the best out of all the quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Now, on to the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, who's down in Jacksonville with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor looked good. Um, He made a really nice play uh, when the pocket was collapsing. He had a bunch of time. Couldn't get any, but nobody was open. But the pocket started collapsing. He threw a nice 30-plus yard pass to Marvin Jones. He finished the week 6 for 8, 71 yards. A good start for Trevor Lawrence. And, hey, let's be honest. We all know that at the end of the day, Trevor Lawrence is rated as the best quarterback in this draft class. And he's the hands-on favorite for you know Offensive Rookie of the Year. And he very easily can win it. Now, Speaking with the Jaguars, Tim Tebow was out there playing tight end, a little bit of fullback, and Tebow looked pretty pathetic trying to make a block, but same thing with his throwing motion back in Denver. He got the job done, and he made the play. You know, the linebacker made a bad read, came inside, Tebow just pretty much lowered his shoulder, got in the way, but at the end of the day, Tebow made the seal. He stopped the linebacker from getting into the backfield. And when they look back on it, did he, you know, crush the guy? Did he, you know, he, he looked like a quarterback throwing a block. Let's be honest. He lowered his shoulder. He didn't hit him too hard. He looked like a quarterback throwing a block. But just like Tim Tebow always got the job done, he got the job done. It'll be very interesting to see if Tebow gets a spot on this roster. Uh, Normally, I would say definitely not, no chance in hell, but Urban Meyer is the coach. He was his coach down in Florida. They have a relationship. Tebow's a good locker room guy. And, you know, the cons, they're businessmen. Tony Khan, Shad Khan, they're businessmen. And at the end of the day, Tebow is good for business. He's going to sell jerseys. He's going to get people to show up, especially, you know, University of Florida's campus is located right around the block. And I really think that, you know, Tebow can be good for business down in Jacksonville. Now on to the second pick of the draft, Zach Wilson up with the New York Jets, another franchise like the Bears that are looking for their franchise quarterback. It's been quarterback misery for the JETS since, you know, Joe Namath was around. You know, they had some decent ones, Vinny Testaverde, Chad Pennington, Mark Sanchez was good for a couple of years, but it's been, you know, pretty much quarterback purgatory since Joe Namath has been around, but... Zach Wilson played well, 6 for 9, 63 yards. He had good rapport with his new, brand new, well, not his new, he's new to the team, but the Jets' brand new wide receiver, Corey Davis. Wilson got the ball out quickly. He released it on time. He hit his receivers just as they were coming out of their breaks, and he had great timing, accuracy, and good decision-making. And after the game, new head coach Robert Sala said, you just want him to get his feet wet, show that the game's not too big for him, which he obviously showed, especially in those third down moments. He had a couple couple of critical third down conversions there that I thought is the epitome of playing quarterback in this league. Staying on the field, scoring points in two-minute situations. He had an opportunity, obviously, with those third down opportunities, two minutes, he'll eventually get. The young man's potential is through the roof it's going to be a process so obviously the new head coach in new york likes what he sees out of zach wilson it is true we can't deny that he has the arm talent but 
does he have it in between the ears coming from BYU? I think he does. And it'll be very interesting to see. There's a lot, a lot of talented quarterbacks in this class. And it'll be very exciting to see. We already talked about Fields, Lawrence, Zach Wilson. And the guy that the 49ers selected that has a ton of potential, Trey Lance. Trey Lance started the game very well. Four for six, 125 yards. He threw a nice 80-yard touchdown. It was a bomb. A nice laser that he threw. Hit his receiver in stride. But he finished the day five for 14 for 128 yards. So after he started four for six, he went one for eight. Now, the first drive was nothing but the first play of the second drive. He threw that touchdown pass. The fans in San Francisco were on their feet, cheering. They were very excited. And honestly, they should be because Jimmy G, he's a good quarterback, but he's a game manager. Okay, He's not going to give you those exciting plays that Trey Lance can make. And we, we saw that in week one. Trey Lance made the exciting play. He got the fan base energized. And Kyle Shanahan is going to have a very tough decision to make, just like all these coaches will. They'll have it in Chicago. Listen, we already know in Jacksonville and New York, Trevor Lawrence is the starter. Zach Wilson's the starter. Okay, but in Chicago and San Francisco, it's not that clear. Okay, Justin Fields might be the starter, but as of right now, Dalton's the starter. And in San Francisco, as of right now, Jimmy G is the starter. And it'll be interesting to see if Trey Lance, you know, like what happened, you know, the last few drives when he went one for eight. I didn't watch the game. I just saw the highlight. So we'll have to watch more of Lance this preseason. But the last quarterback that was drafted in the first round, Mac Jones, Mac Jones got a lot of volume. 13 for 19, 87 yards. Wasn't too exciting. Wasn't bad. Was good. Just like the Patriots. It's typical Patriots what you're going to get with for them. You know, they have Cam Newton on the center. Mac Jones is coming in. You know, Bill Belichick is friends with Nick Saban. I'm sure that's a big reason why they drafted Mac Jones. So we shall see. You know, it's preseason week one. A lot, a lot, a lot of starters weren't playing. These guys were playing against the second, third string. It'll be interesting to see how good or bad they play later on in the preseason when the starters get more reps now another quarterback second year guy but it was his first nfl action because last year there was no preseason and he didn't play at all during the regular season uh jordan love for the green bay packers he went 12 for 17 121 yards one touchdown and green bay has to be happy especially with all the aaron Rodgers drama this offseason what we saw about him wanting to leave the club and it's very likely that this is aaron Rodgers' last year with the green bay packers so jordan love showed that they do have a successor waiting in the wings will he be as good as Rodgers? no way no chance in hell i'll put money on that right now i know the guy's still young but Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great, and it's very hard to fill those shoes. Now, Rodgers did it with Favre. Can Green Bay get lucky again, like Rodgers stepped in and filled Favre's shoes? No. I really don't think they can. But Jordan Love looked good in his first action. And, you know, looking at the first-round picks, the other people that really jump out to me was uh, Patrick Sertain. He had a nice pick six. He jumped the route, 
returned it for 30 yards. He also made a nice deflection that was almost intercepted by his teammate. But look at it again. Another Alabama product playing well. And speaking of playing well, Broncos quarterbacks played well. Drew Locke put on a display with his two Second-year weapons, Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. He went 5 for 7, 151 yards, two touchdowns. And backup Teddy Bridgewater was 7 for 8, 74 74 yards and a touchdown. So that's a good thing to have, uh, Vic Fangio in Denver. Two quarterbacks that are playing well. Teddy Bridgewater is a veteran. He has skill. You know he can play well. He can manage the game. We saw that last year with Carolina. And Drew Locke is an exciting prospect. He's played well. He hasn't played well. We should see what happens in Denver. Now, looking at other rookies, Kyle Pitts did not play. Jamar Chase had a catch. Jalen Waddled, he showed off his game-breaking skill set. He had a 24-yard punt return that looked like it was going nowhere but he reversed field turned on the speed got the corner for a big gain and it was a nice punt return for him devonta smith did not play but one interesting tidbit is joe flacco looked very nice for philadelphia uh, 10 for 17 178 yards a touchdown jalen hurts was three for seven for 57 yards i'm sorry 54 yards Honestly, if Hurts starts struggling early on in the year, how long before the Philly faithful get on the coach, get on the GM about Juan and Flacco? Is Joe Flacco elite? That's the age-long question. Is Joe Flacco elite? And maybe Philly fans want to see that because I don't know if Jalen Hurts is the answer. And there's a lot of rumors going on that Philly wants to get Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson obviously will be a huge upgrade over Jalen Hurts. Even Jalen Hurts, even though that Jalen Hurts is only a second-year product, but we know what we're getting for Deshaun Watson. But can his off-the-field antics be trusted that it won't happen again? Will he be suspended by the league? I don't think so. And what are the Texans going to take for him? Because if you think that Watson was being traded before this year before all these allegations came out easily three first round picks now what will they get for him it'll be very interesting to see if watson will be traded this year next year jalen hurts get hurt i don't know maybe another team's quarterback goes down we shall see now another guy that played well pj walker played well for the carolina panthers he was playing in that startup league the what was it the xfl or was it the other one the aaf i forget which one but pj walker played well on that startup league played well for the panthers today now there was no big injuries in week one so this early on in the nfl season the only big time injury to speak of so far was dak prescott which looks like it's not going to be a big time in injury uh, Prescott received an MRI on Saturday and the results were favorable uh, showing what the team had hoped all along their franchise quarterback is hailing and remains unscheduled to play the season opener against the Bucks on September 9th now the Cowboys are in hard knocks this year I'm sure everybody has saw that the Cowboys are such an enigma man like 
They're America's team, quote unquote. They're the most valuable NFL franchise in the league. Every single year, the hopes for the Cowboys are high. And everyone, not everyone, the Cowboy fans think they're going to win the Super Bowl every single year. Now, the NFC East is pretty bad. We saw that last year when Washington got into the playoffs with the losing record. But the NFC East will be better this year. We know the Giants are going to be better. Saquon Barkley is coming back. They got Daniel Jones' weapons. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Kyle Rudolph, the lineup next to Evan Ingram. The Giants' offense, if Daniel Jones cannot turn the if he stops turning the ball over with his speed and his bootleg ability for him to just get out of the pocket, we saw that last year against the game against Philly when he fell down at like the 10-yard line. He's fast. And I, I believe there was a stat that said he had he was the fastest clocked quarterback in the NFL last year, even faster than Lamar Jackson. Now, you know, on a 40-yard dash, Lamar Jackson's going to beat him, but Daniel Jones is surprisingly quick. And Joe Judge, I really like Joe Judge as a coach. I think that the Giants will take a leap this year. I think the Redskins will continue to get better. They have Fitzpatrick as the quarterback now. We know what we're going to get with Fitzpatrick. He could take a team to the playoffs, and that defense is hungry. Chase Young, competent coach Ron Rivera I think if Dak is healthy that's a big if because if Dak is not healthy the Cowboys are going to end up last in the NFC East but I think the Eagles are the odd man out I don't think Jalen Hurts is as good as everybody thinks he is they're young and that head coach Nick Sirianni I think his name is we saw how he looked in his opening press conference when he just sounded off and he wasn't making sense. So first year head coach, second year quarterback, starting for the first time, a lot of turmoil over there with Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach being shown the door. I think the Eagles are the worst team, will be the worst team in the NFC East. I think if Dak stays healthy, the Cowboys are obviously the best team in the NFC East, but their defense is suspect. And the Giants and the Redskins are wild cards. The, the Giants can easily go 11-6 or 6-11. and 11. And same thing with the Redskins, I, I truly believe. So every year, it's usually very close in the NFC East. So, you know, we shall see what happens in the NFC East this year, but it'll be very exciting. Now, looking at the playoff picture, you know, the NFC West, any one of those four teams can make the playoffs. You know, the Seahawks and the Rams, they're always in the playoffs. The 49ers are going to be better this year if they can stay away from the injuries. And we saw Arizona take a leap last year. They should be better. The NFC North, you know, we know the Packers are going to be there. The Vikings, I like the Vikings as a sleeper team. The Bears, Bears could be good if Fields really steps up. Now the Lions, I don't think the Lions will be good at all. And then in the NFC South, the Bucks are going to run away with it. So looking at the playoff teams, you know, it's there's a lot of competition in the NFC. Now moving over to the AFC, the AFC East. The Bills, 13-3 and three last year. I think they'll run away with the division as well. Dolphins might be able to make a playoff spot. It's up 
to Tua, I truly believe. If Tua can stay healthy or if he could take that second year step, the Patriots, you know, they're getting their guys. But a lot of people sat out last year because of COVID. I think that the Patriots can get back to their winning ways. The Jets, I don't think the Jets are ready yet. The AFC West, obviously the Chiefs will run away with that. The AFC North, that should be interesting between the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. And in the AFC South, it's, you know, the Titans and the Colts battling for supremacy. But we saw what happened with the Colts. Carson Wentz is going to be out until week seven, week eight again. Like that guy, Philly's probably cheering that they went with Jalen Hurts instead of Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz cannot stay on the field. He, he He's injury prone. But we're going to have a lot of NFL talk for you guys this year with uh, here at Yo-Yo. It's Digsy's baby. It's going to be a very exciting season. It looks like, you know, it looks like right now that it's going to be the highest rated season in NFL history. There's an extra game, 18 regular season weeks. Fans will be back at 100%. Most teams are highly vaccinated, so... We won't have any of the issues with Tuesday and Wednesday games like we had last year. So it should be a very, very exciting NFL season. And I'm pumped, man. I cannot wait for kickoff on September 9th. All right. Now, last but certainly not least, let's get to the state of New York City baseball as it's pertaining to the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. Because as we stand right now, the roles have been completely reversed. Okay, a week before the trade deadline, the Yankees looked like they were in the gutter. The Mets were in first place, like they were pretty much all season long. And it looked like in October, we were going to get Mets postseason baseball and the Yankees were going to go home golfing. As we sit here today, roughly about 16, 17 days after the trade deadline, after that time, we are in completely reversed roles. The Mets look like they're going home. The Yankees are surging, fighting for a wild card position. Now, the Yankees are 65 and 52, 5.5 games behind the Rays in the AL East, 2.5 games behind in the wild card. The Mets are 59 and 58, 2.5 games behind the Braves in the NL East who have been on fire, winning 8 of their last 10 games, and the Mets are about 5 games out in the wild card and Honestly, to be honest, the only way the Mets have a chance to make it to the postseason, it's to win the NL East. The wild card is not going to be there. So, like I said, Mets have been struggling. Three and seven the last 10. Going back the last 20 games, they're seven and 13. They have been outscored 100 to 65. They just got swept by the Dodges. And honestly, it's not going to get any better, Mets fans. It's not going to get any better at all because they are heading out west for three games in San Francisco. Then they got four games in LA against the Dodgers. And guess what? When you come back home, when you get back to the East Coast, you got another three games against the San Francisco Giants. The next 10 games, you are playing the two teams that have the best records in Major League Baseball. So the Braves are hot. The Phillies are ahead of them right now, too. You got to jump two teams now. You had first place locked up all season long. Now you have to jump two teams. You got the Braves. You got the Phillies. Your next 10 games are against the two best teams in Major League Baseball. Now, after that, it gets a little bit easier. 
They got 15 straight games against the Nationals and Marlins, home and homes. So, you know what? You could pick up some ground there, but hey, the next 10 games, if you're going to play three and seven again, it's, it's not even going to matter by the time you get to the Nationals or the Marlins. And I know what Mets fans will say. They got the injury bug. They've been unlucky. Jacob DeGrom, who before the All-Star break, looked like he was going to win the MVP. Not not just the Cy Young, the MVP of the National League because he was playing great. Lindor finally f- found his stride. He was hitting the ball well. Lindor was playing great. Lindor goes down. DeGrom goes down. They go out, they get Javi Baez to replace Lindor and to play second base when Lindor comes back, Baez gets hurt. But you know what? You still have to play the games, okay? You still have to play the games. We saw that last year when the Yankees had somebody on the injured list all season long, a new star every other week. They still have that right now, and they're winning games. Last year, they won games, they made it to the playoffs. But you know what? Your stars have to hit. And over the last two weeks, Pete Alonso's batting 204. Jeff McNeil's batting 182. Conforto has stepped up. Conforto's batting around 400 the last two weeks. But you know what? Where were you the rest of the season? The Mets were sitting comfortable in first place all season long. But you know what? Once July hit, they started losing to the teams that you should beat. They went three and four against the Pirates in July. And then they lost three out of four to the Marlins in the beginning of August. You got to win those games. You win those games, you're probably tied for first right now or have a one-game lead. And look, like, just look at what the Braves are doing, and they don't have their star player, Ronald Acuna. Okay? You could say that Lindor's out, the Grom's out, but you know what? The Braves have been hit just as hard, and they're doing this, and they went eight and two without their star player, Acuna. So the Mets have a long road ahead of them. Like I said, the next 10 games is going to be really, really rough. And if you're a Mets fan, you have to be sitting here now saying, praying to God that you go 500 over the next 10 games. I know that's a, that's a strong ask. But you have to go 500 over the next 10 games. And then when you get those 15 games against the Nats and the Marlins, somehow go 10 and 5. Because if you do that, if you do that, I truly believe that you'll be right in the thick of things come September. And, you know, we shall see what happens. But on the other side of town, in the Bronx, the Yankees are in the complete opposite position. Now, they're currently not in the playoffs. Like I said, they're two and a half games behind in the wild card, but they're 7-3 their last 10, 14-6 their last 20. And the reason why they're winning is their big stars are stepping up. Giancarlo Stanton, 304, batting 304, 10 RBIs the last two weeks. Judge, batting 302, 5 home runs, 14 RBIs the last two weeks. DJ LeMahieu, batting 316, Eight RBIs the last two weeks. And you know what? They've been hit with the injury bug as well. Torres is down. Their big trade deadline acquisition, Anthony Rizzo, who was hitting the cover off the ball and gave this team the spark they needed. He's on the IL, the COVID IL. Joey Gallo has been playing okay. You know, he hit a couple home runs. His batting average, he's getting on base. You want to see a little bit more out of Gallo? I'm sure we'll get that. And he needs to step up now. And you know what? The one person that has really surprised me and has, I feel like, has kept this team together, especially on the games that he started, was Jordan Montgomery. Over the last month, he has a 0.57 ERA. Very impressive out of Jordan Montgomery the last month. But all in all, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Personally, do I think the Mets can? win the division? I think they do. I think they can. I really think they can. But you know what? 
They need to start playing inspired, good baseball right now. You know, everyone thinks that they're dead in the water. Go out to the West Coast trip and you know what? Win those series. Just win the series. Don't think about, you want to just think about winning the game. Win today, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. But you know what? Win the series. Win the series in San Francisco. Win the series in LA. Come home, win the series against San Francisco. You'll be sitting pretty in the standings. We don't know what the Braves are going to do. We don't know what the Phillies are going to do. But you'll be sitting pretty in the standings. And then you got 15 games against the Nats, who completely gutted their roster, and against the Marlins, who, you know, they made the playoffs last year because it was expanded to eight teams, but the Marlins aren't really good. And you know what? Looking at the schedule right now, the Mets better win those games because the Braves are playing the Marlins the next three games. Then they got three against Baltimore. So right there, there that could easily be four and two, five and one. And then the Phillies are playing the Diamondbacks, one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball, seven times over the next 10 games. So the Mets, you, you can't go lay an egg on the West Coast trip. You need to win some games. Five and five. Hopefully, win the series six and four, whatever, whatever it may be. You cannot go out there and go three and seven and lay an egg over the next 10 games because you know what? You very well could be out of it in the next two weeks. And, you know, we've seen crazier things have happened. We saw what happened with the Mets in 2007 when they had, you know, an eight, nine game lead, you know, on September 4th, 5th, whatever it was. And then lost that lead. So crazy things have happened in September, but you know what? You do not want to start September with your back against the wall. But sitting where we are right now, if you're a Mets fan, you have to be worried. If you're a Yankees fan, you have to be highly ecstatic looking at the way they're playing. And it's going to be a very exciting next six or seven weeks before we get to some October postseason baseball. All right, everybody, that does it for Yo Yo, it's Digsy's Baby, the podcast, episode one. Make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Digsy Picks, and we will see you next time.